This is Cultivate a Good Life, episode 55, Patience in Parenting. Welcome back to the show that very familiar to some of you voice was none other than Rachel Nielsen. I'm Becky Higgins and also we have Becky Proudfit. I kind of felt like I was an afterthought there. Like, no. Rachel and Becky. And there's also the other one. And then also. There's the other one. Welcome, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. She's the best. Okay. So we are soul sisters. True or false? True. I have to say too. Becky's, and I mean, the Becky doesn't throw that around lightly. No, 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 no. Like, no. Really doesn't throw that around lightly. No. We are, we're honored to have Rachel, like we are honored to have every guest we have on the show because we're so choosy about who we have. But Rachel is like, I feel like we just need to live closer together. We don't. Yeah. We yeah. get to be recording in person Since together. Since two of right the now, three of us live close, Rachel's right. probably going to have to Rachel, move you are the missing piece to AZ. in our lives. I don't know. It's really hot here. <laughs> I would actually consider moving true. elsewhere maybe because it is in And fact I do so live in a here. beautiful mountain town that oh. has, well, the winters aren't perfect weather, especially for you ladies, but the summer's perfect. Oh, okay. Maybe we should have a few different homes and summer where Rachel lives and winter where we live. Yeah, do, do like a snowbird situation. I feel really right. about that. But we're going to do a podcaster's snowbird co-op Thing. is what we're going <laughs> to do. Can you imagine? I actually think we could make that happen. We- and if anyone's going to make it happen, it's going to be the girl next to me with lip gloss in her hand still. Because Becky... It's my power item. She just applies gloss upon gloss. You know this. I apply her. lip gloss for all of you yeah. every time we record. You're welcome. <laughs> I think they find it very thoughtful. So I have an idea. Very thoughtful. Before we introduce Rachel, um, we usually do an iTunes review, and I just feel like it would be really uncomfortable and awkward to invite Rachel, Rachel. to give our podcast. Rachel, what do you think of our podcast? No what pressure. Zero pressure. I'm gonna, but I'm gonna word it as I would my iTunes review. Ooh. So, which gonna be which good. I'm going to write tonight if I haven't already written what? one. So I feel like I probably have, but if I haven't, I'm writing okay, it. You're blowing my mind right now. So here really we go. Um, my title would be. <laughs> you're putting me on the spot here. I know I feel so bad I told you I was gonna be awkward yeah. um don't think of the title okay I won't think yeah, just go title. into the words okay just tell us all the just things you love about us awesome Rachel Becky and Becky have an amazing <laughs> dynamic together they make me laugh they make me think um oh no <laughs> they feed me goat cheese and prosciutto and they're they're so thoughtful about all the topics that matter most I love listening to this podcast <gasps> I love it. Oh, my heart. And they're really, really good people in real life, too. They're just as good as they seem on the podcast. I would add that. I will say, Rachel, we've talked about this before, but one of the things I think is really unique about podcasting is the amount of support and love. I feel like it is an army of people bringing light and goodness in the most pure way I've ever seen and anything I've ever been a part of. And it's so cool having this now circle of friends in podcasting and Rachel is certainly in that circle mm-hmm. that we love and support each other and help each other and it's kind of the most amazing thing I love it's it it's beautiful so you're already getting that Rachel's a podcaster but if you don't know who Rachel Nielsen is we're gonna let her introduce herself in just a moment but oh wait hold on what? I have to say one thing sorry oh, to interrupt girl, get it I forgot I was gonna tell Rachel this story oh but since we're rolling might I as mean, well okay, okay. <clears throat> so 
when we launched our podcast last year, my daughter plays soccer and I was at a soccer game and they're like, wait, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm launching a podcast. And they're like, oh, like podcasting, like the iTunes podcast. And I said, yeah. They said, oh, I only really like one of those. Guess what it was? Have you ever listened? It's, it's three and 30. So are you doing like three takeaways in 30 minutes? And I was like, ours is probably going to be a little longer than that. They're like, oh, I really like three and 30. You should totally listen to that. I I've never told that you that. Story. True story. Oh, I love Kelly that. Stubbs, if you're listening, if this ever airs on three and 30, that was you, Kelly Stubbs. Kelly, thank you. That's Kelly really Stubbs cool. loves you. I'm trying to remember how I heard. I, to be honest, I think the way that I heard about your podcast is probably through Allison, the Allison show. Um, because I think she had you on her show. No. Um, yeah, she did. Yeah, business she did. therapy. Oh, on business therapy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe. No, no I've heard you about, about you before, her before then. I'm going to go ahead know. and take credit for this. It was probably me. It wasn't Becky. It was me. <laughs> it, it was, was all me. Becky. I'm going to give Profit no credit for anything because her head just gets too swollen and it's then she story. adds more lip gloss and then I, don't I was know a little what to do emotionally raw this morning and now I'm not. And yeah, you're not. Becky knows I can take it again. Yeah, she so. can take it again. She's in a very spicy place. Okay, let's move forward. Let's quickly hear a word from this week's Sponsor from this week's sponsor. (laughs) You guys, something big happened. What is it? I now have all three colors of Ryla packs. It really felt wrong keeping the family apart. And so now the gang's all here. (laughs) I knew how much time we'd be spending together. So I decided to once again give this beautiful bag a name. I cannot overstate how much we both love our Ryla packs. These minimalist diaper bags slash mommy backpacks are keeping me organized and prepared for any situation that life can throw at me. With four kids, lots of situations thrown at me all day long. I am now the mom who has just the right thing at just the right time, and it's all organized with my Ryla pack and the super cute and functional clear pouches they released earlier this year. The pouch set comes with three different size pouches, which are clear on one side. They are perfect for when a clear bag is required at a concert, sports game, or other event. The pouches come with a cute leather wrist strap that can transform your pouch to a clutch. Also important to note is the largest pouch actually fits, are you ready for this? Our simple notebook. It's as if they were made to go together. Add a couple of pins and your notebook will be totally protected and ready for you to document your life. It is a perfect fit and it's obvious one of the reasons that we love Ryla Pack so much. Use the code Becky15 to save 15% off your entire purchase at rylapack.com anytime and all the time. Who is Rachel Nielsen? Who isn't Rachel Nielsen, really? <laughs> Rachel, tell us a little bit about you, who you are, your background, your work. What would, what would be good for people to know about you as they are about to listen to the goodness that is you in this episode? Okay. Well, Becky told me I need to like share my heart, go back in time a little go bit, back share in who time. I am. Yes. So I grew up in Colorado. I have two sisters. I'm in the middle and I do feel like that's significant. Like they've had mm. a significant impact on my life and who I am. Yeah. And um, we grew up with a mom who had breast cancer for 13 years. She was diagnosed when I was six. She passed away when I was 19. And I think that that... Wow. That's like your whole childhood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All of it. And I think our family had a unique closeness because of that. Um, Yeah. My sisters and I really bonded together, but we also really clung to and loved and valued our parents. And um, my mom, even though she was sick, she she just gave us the most beautiful childhood and Mm. made the most of that time with us for sure. 
Um, One and then, example. That's such a great example. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And in the year since, my dad has like just stepped up in every way. He planned our weddings. He comes Aww. and helps after babies are born. Oh, my god, That's gosh. the cutest. He's amazing. That's um, so cool. So it really has. It's like the biggest trial of our family's life, but it's also the thing that's brought us the closest together. What a yeah. great, Isn't it great funny thing. how like we identify these things as the trials, but really that was like writing the story of your family and the people that your, your parents were and are. That's a pretty special thing. That's yeah. really cool. Mm, I yeah. love that. And um, all, my, all three of us, girls and my family, were teachers. Oh, wow. Um, that's yeah. cool. My older sister taught elementary. I taught high school English. And my little sister taught high school math and science. Really? And, wow. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, you guys had so many stories to exchange all these years. I'm oh, yes. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And then after I taught for five years, and we went through some infertility during that time, and we adopted my son, and a few years later had my daughter via IVF. But um, I decided to stay home with them and just found that I really miss teaching a lot and using my gifts and my passion and could never really figure out because I didn't want to go back to teaching full time, mostly because of all the grading. Um, <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> yes. The yeah. height of high school English with the essays. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I decided to start my podcast, which is a way that I can teach from home, but be, still be with my kids. Absolutely. And, each episode has three takeaways in 30 minutes, so it's called 3 and 30, and it's formatted a lot like the thesis papers that I taught my students to write yeah. all those oh, years. I never even thought about the connection there. Yes. How cool is that? That is interesting. Yeah. I, I hadn't thought it. about that either. Yeah. You can so. tell we're not school teachers. <laughs> Yet, like, I am actually <laughs> helping write high school essays with thesis all the dang time. Yes. All the dang time. Yeah. So oh, that's fine. me, and that's oh, how that's my really podcast cool. got started. So what would you say for those of you who have, um, or for those of our listeners who have never listened to 3 and 30, and now they get to know about it and discover it, which they expect from the podcast? So you said three takeaways in 30 minutes, but about what? Um, it's all different motherhood mothering topics but it's it's really womanhood topics like yeah some of my episodes are more specific to parenting like how to stop yelling at your kids um how to emotion coach your children Mm -hmm. but then others are things about just being a human and a woman like how to stop being mean to yourself and how to have a better morning routine things like that so I really feel like there's something for everyone there and I love doing it I love taking kind of the big complex deep topics that you might think like how would you address that in three takeaways yeah. That, but yeah. I love that it's the kind breakdown. of a challenge mm-hmm. it is a challenge and to you know break it down to some actionable steps that people can try that week well I only think it's fair that if I put you on the spot I put myself on the spot okay and I'm going to give you my review of your podcast oh that's oh. so nice so here's what I would say Rachel is full of such depth in her character that when you listen to her with or without a guest, you feel your own character strengthened and you feel more inspired to cultivate a better life because she speaks so much truth and goodness Mm -hmm. and light that you can't help but be affected by that. Peace out. Amen. I'm done. Wow. That is how I feel. That was so much better than I (laughs) That was planning that the whole time, Rachel. She was thinking about it. I wasn't. I just, you know, uh, Rachel and I have been talking about how we, we haven't, 
been able to have the time to really keep up with each other's podcasts mm-hmm. like we would like to, of course, because hello, that's kind of the real life view on this. But as we've each um, binge listened a little bit to one another, I have just felt so grateful and so joyful that because of the heart and soul that Becky and I put into the work that we do with the podcast, I feel such a sisterhood with you that you're like, you're with us. Like you are doing the same yeah. thing that we are trying to do, which is there's just not an ulterior motive. It's like we were doing this because we love it, because we feel called to do it, mm-hmm. and because we truly want to help other people cultivate a better life. And we're all just doing our best. We know that. But to be able to feed off of each other and hear and learn things through the sharing is beautiful. And so you're doing a good job, oh, sister. thank you. And you, you two really are as well. I love listening to you. I was telling them that I want to quote like, text them quotes from their own episodes (laughs) that make me laugh or inspire me. So it's pretty fun. There's no shame in putting my foot in my mouth on a regular basis. And I do it. Social irrelevance is the horn of plenty. It's the gift that keeps on giving all the day long, all the day long. Okay. So as we move forward into the topic and thank you for that introduction, Rachel, here's, what's really cool. When you bring podcasters together, you get to choose how you approach this. And the way Mm -hmm. we're choosing to do it is this is obviously our podcast and it's our format, a very casual, you know, very chatty, yeah. but Rachel's format, which we equally value. It's a completely different style, yes. very succinct, very to the point, very like tight, actionable takeaways, actionable very takeaways. tight, actionable takeaways. Yes. And it's very intentional the way it's presented. And so we're going to marry that together. We are being casual and chatty, but we're going to now turn this over to you, Rachel, to do your thing, to share with us the three takeaways that are related to the topic, which is patience and parenting. So yeah, how do you want to kick that off? Well, I will start off by telling you about a moment that I had where I redefined patience for myself and it kind of blew my mind. Mm. And then um, we can talk about the three ways that I have been trying to apply that definition of patience in my life. So love it. So I read an article a few years ago and it's one of those things like we all read a million articles, right? Especially back, you know, five years ago when Mm -hmm. I read this, when I think we were reading a lot more because there weren't audio like podcasts. I mean, I read tons of blogs and parenting articles and for one to stick with me this long is, you know, that that was really impactful. And it was a story and we can link it in the show notes of a woman who, um, she had looked up the definition of patience and she saw that the actual formal definition is a willingness to suffer. Ooh. Whoa. Yeah. And so she was thinking about that, that definition, a willingness to suffer. And, um, she had a moment with her son where he was like having a freak out tantrum. And what she wanted to do was to yell at him to get him to stop because she was suffering and she wanted out of the suffering. And, but instead she decided to stay in the suffering with him and she got down and hugged him and said like, let's breathe. We can do this. This is a hard moment. And they calmed down together. So she Mm. refused to escape her suffering by having this emotional outlet and instead stayed in the suffering. And that, that was her trying to cultivate patience. And that blew my mind. Mm -hmm. And it's come back to me so often in the years since in different ways in motherhood that I'm trying to stay in my suffering to do what's best for my kids and cultivate more patience. Wowzers. Wow. That is a really That's amazing an, insight. Well, it's just not the way that we think about patience. Well, in last you week's know? episode, we were talking about vulnerability and patience keeps coming up because I think when you squash that need to feel your suffering, that we all need to feel our feelings, right? When we squash that down, 
it comes out for me a lot of times in impatience with my kids, which looks like anger or mm-hmm. honestly, I have a problem with sarcasm sometimes with my kids. Like I'll get mm. a little bit sarcastic, but really it's coming from a place of impatience stemming from like trying to escape that suffering. It's kind of a remarkable thing our bodies do constantly trying to escape, escape, yes. escape. And it comes out in really bizarre ways. Almost it's like a knee jerk reaction. Yeah. And stopping that process to slow down to examine what's really going on is crucial. So I'm dying to hear your three takeaways because I will also be taking those <laughs> taking those three to heart and using them in my life. Well, and for me, for the for the takeaways, they're more um, applications. Yeah, that I've as a mom, I think are really common. That every mom feels these th- like has these situations every day. Yeah, and so to stop and think in that moment, am I going to cultivate patience and be willing to suffer, or am I going to take the easy way out? And sometimes we do take the easy way out, and that's okay. And we need like we seriously just need to escape our suffering absolutely. at that moment. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But there's other times when we could choose to be a little bit more intentional and say, I'm going to stick this out. And so my yeah. first takeaway is with yelling at my kids. So that's the first application, which yeah. I just gave you a pretty good example from that other mom. Right. But um, it's interesting to think that the reason why we yell is because like, we are thinking of our kids as making us miserable or inconveniencing us. You're inconveniencing me. This, whatever you're doing is so annoying or hard or interrupting me that I'm just going to yell. Or not doing, let's be honest. Yes, totally. You're not moving. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yelling is a motivator sometimes for getting moving, getting going, getting your school clothes on. Absolutely. You know, when you're having, when we have little time in our house, this is where this comes out. Yes. When we're pressed for time. Yes. And so making that choice in that moment, like I said, to just stay in the moment with your child and have a calmer, better solution, um, I think is a huge shift for a lot of moms, for me, yeah. <laughs> and for most Totally. Moms. Well, totally. tying back into the whole definition that we're talking about, the word is willingness. Mm. Patience is a willingness to suffer. And so it really, it feels like so proactive to me. We have mm-hmm. to choose to be willing to embrace that moment for what it is. Mm-hmm. That takes work. Yeah. It takes a minute. Like you have to think about it ahead of time. I think that we all know that we set ourselves up for better success when we make decisions ahead of time. So mama listening right now, like make up your mind right now to choose willingness, to be willing to cultivate more patience in the next moment that you're going to be tempted to not be patient. Yeah. Am I making any sense? That was all. No, that's why I love the three takeaways is because really she's what you're giving us. Rachel is little bites of the big elephant. Like we're going to start tackling this problem. One situation at a time. And just being aware of times when like when you might have the opportunity to practice patience. And that's another thing that I've heard. I heard on a podcast by an author, Paul David Tripp. He talked about, Um, the difference between seeing your children or your children's misbehavior as an opportunity instead of as a disruption. Mm. So he said, most parents see it as a disruption and we got to fix that, get out of control. You're interrupting my life versus the misbehavior is this. Wow. Like almost exciting. Like this is an opportunity Mm, for me to teach, for me to connect with this child. And so being able to have that little shift of this is an opportunity for me to practice patience and, and teach my child versus this is a disruption that I want to put an end to now because it's making me suffer. So mm-hmm. Becky Prophet, why is your hand up? 
Way to call me out, Beck. <laughs> just call no, I'm just kidding. what I do best. Um, because <laughs> that is how, right? like, literally, this is kind of the thing I need to be really careful of in my parenting. And as I'm building relationships with my kids, I have, I, you know, a son in high school now, and those relationships are shifting and becoming more important. And when I am pushing my agenda, even when it's the, and I'll even say my agenda, our, our morning routine for school. We have certain things we do. We don't like to use disposable water bottles, so we fill up our little, you know, our non-disposable water bottles. We get in our uniforms, and I make a breakfast every day. And that is a good agenda. It's not a bad agenda to have. Are we rushed? I swear we could wake up at 2.30 in the morning and still be rushed, <laughs> like that last 10 minutes before we need to leave the house. Right. And so I can live my best life and be my best self. And I'll tell you what, I get to those last 10 minutes, and I'm like... <laughs> this is not, you know, I get very impatient because I'm pushing, I'm pushing my agenda, which I'll be is a good agenda, but I'm not taking the moment to stop and to really reconsider how to reframe that and, mm. and what to do. Mm-hmm. And so what Rachel's saying about opportunity, you're connecting that to how those moments, which is really a daily thing mm-hmm. for me too. Let's come on. Yeah. Raise your hand, everybody who's in the same situation. We, if we viewed that more as an opportunity to exercise our patience, what, what might that look like? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and how much better would we get at it? We're right. practicing. Yeah. We're practicing right. patience. Think about how many opportunities our kids give us to practice patience every day. <laughs> it is a plentiful, plentiful basket of joy. And I do <laughs> think that many, like most of us mothers probably can see that we've gotten more patient. Yes, yes. for sure. And because we've had lots of opportunities to practice it, whether or not we were consciously mm-hmm. thinking that. That's so a good point. how far would we come if we were consciously thinking about it yeah. and practicing deliberately to become better at this? Man, I love that's it. That's true. That's so true. I know what's, what's going your... on my goal sheet next week. I know. <laughs> I know. Okay. What's your second takeaway? So the second area that I've really tried to cultivate this patience is by not using screens as much with my children. Mm-hmm. Um, again, as an escape from my suffering. So Instead of when they're annoying me, my kids are still little, eight and five, um, and I want to get something done. Instead of taking the extra step to like find them something useful or meaningful to do, I'll just turn on the TV to, Mm. you know, to get them out of my hair because I don't want to suffer through them bothering me in that moment. Um, or with their emotions, if they're having a really big emotion and I don't want to deal with it, the TV or the iPad, the screen is a really good distraction for them. But it's an escape from my own suffering. And I want to say here that I am not anti-TV. I think that I, I like to use TV on my good days and good periods of time as a deliberate tool where I'm deciding, I'm consciously right. deciding, okay, at this period of time, I'm going to need a break to do these things. And this would be a good time for them to watch the show or this movie versus a reactive right. coping thing where I can't deal with them. And mm-hmm. so I just put them in front of a screen because I can't deal with them. Makes a lot of sense. There's a very big difference. Yes. Yeah. And so I've tried to get really honest with myself in those moments when I'm tempted to turn on the TV or hand them an iPad. Yeah. Why am I doing this? And is it in line with my values? Is it in line with what I want for them and who I want them to become? And sometimes the answer is it's like I can't deal with them today and I do turn on the show and it's okay. And I just want to say that like right. grace for all the mamas. That's right. what I was going to say is give yourself that grace. Yes. Give yourself that patience. 
and sometimes it's okay. yeah sometimes you're in a really dark spot yourself like yeah. you may be going through a depression or really hard pregnancy or and you realize that you're using the screen as the babysitter but that's all you can like muster up but even that you know? awareness of like I know this is probably not the best and I'm wrecking it's still going into it with a little more intention than just having it be the knee-jerk reaction and I'll tell you now having teenagers um you it's so important to practice this because when your kids become older when they have big emotions like you've trained them to go to the tv Mm. and we're really, really careful in our house, or I try to be very careful about screen time and and all these things. And I still, as my kids are getting older, have to do a lot of negotiating with that and figuring out how that fits into our life because I see my kids having a really hard day at school and they want to check out. They want to just watch TV. And not that that's even a bad thing, but framing that properly for our children is so important, really, and for ourselves, let's be honest. When you were talking, I was like, oh my gosh, I... What am I modeling? Because I think I turn to my phone when I'm feeling a big emotion I don't want to deal with or just when I'm bored. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing is having the patience with developing patience when my kids are bored to not just because that's when your kids are bored, they're annoying and they like they pester you (laughs) and they a million times and just sitting with that and saying like they'll figure it out. They're going to find something to do. Um, They can be uncomfortable and I can be uncomfortable for a little while and we can both cultivate patience instead of me just turning on the TV right now for yeah. them. Yeah, it's a good thing to practice. That's what cultivating means is like really creating those opportunities by being aware of them and then just working on it every time. Yes. Especially with those regular things. I actually love the um, the example, Becky, that you give of the morning routine mm-hmm. because that's something that gives you an opportunity every single weekday. Mm. It's the same opportunity yeah. I have and that Rachel has. Every day we have this routine of getting up and going in the morning and kicking off the day and we have the greatest desires to have it go a certain way that are all coming from a good place. And yet, because it always feels chaotic, I say always, I think most people can relate. It gives us that chance every day to try again and to try again and to try again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's cultivating. What's your, oh, go ahead. And I do think one, another area that I have really practiced this is with screens in the car. Mm, Us too. Yeah. Because, uh, I don't, I don't want them to always need a screen when we get in the car and even on a road trip. I don't want them to always need a screen when we're on a road trip. But of course they want one and I and I understand that. And for Pete's sake, it is so much easier to put on their headphones because you could have a conversation with someone, I'll be darned, if your kids have that. (laughs) And there are times when that is fine. Totally. Uh, Better than fine. Yes. And there are times when you are road tripping by yourself and you have all your children and you just need to turn on the movie for six hours straight. (laughs) For fear Uh, that that is fine. (laughs) But there are also times when you think, if I just turn on the, when I think, if I just turn on the movie right now, we're not going to have any conversations this whole road trip. They're not going to learn to just sit and look out the window and think. Mm. They're not going to see the scenery that's around us. There, is it easier for me? Yeah, it is easier to just put on a show. But there's times when I make the choice that I'm going to suffer a little bit and I'm going to let them suffer a little bit to cultivate patience so that we have this better long-term outcome, which is the development of their imagination, yeah. the development of our family relationships, memories and talking. And so like we went on a really long road trip this summer and I just kind of, I tried to do a balance like I, yeah. I'm like, we'll watch a movie every day when mm-hmm. we're in the car, but we're not going to watch a movie all day that we're in the car. Right. And 
but when by the time we were driving home and we were all like done they watched a lot more yeah <laughs> on the trip home than they did the trip there but just being aware of it mm-hmm. and what i really want them to be developing in themselves and how i have to be willing to suffer a little bit in order for them yeah. to develop the things that i want it's for interesting them. i think in society we have a really hard time with boredom because there's so much input all the oh, time yeah. And so we started, I don't know, probably 18 months ago doing something in our car called structured boredom. And so we get in Do you actually the car. label it that? The kids know exactly what I'm talking okay. about. We're heading up to our cabin later okay. today. The kids know it's structured boredom and they'll ask us how much screen time and how much is boredom time? Because we realized <laughs> our kids did not have enough time to be bored and mm-hmm. they were missing out on like a lot of creative experiences because they literally are hardly ever bored. Yeah. And the more activities kids are in and it seems like our culture is moving towards more is more is demanded out of them. Let's be honest. And the social norm is a much higher activity level than I think when, when I was growing up, um, they're not having those opportunities. Like you said, to stare out the window and just be with their thoughts and just think. And, and so and we, we just, aren't either. Yeah, as adults. it's true. We're, I turn on a podcast every time I get in the car. Mm-hmm. What about just sitting yeah. in the silence and thinking like that's really important too. It big is fan. very important. Big fan of the silence in the car for sure. It's yeah. made a big difference in my life. And I think that there are times and seasons to that. I mm-hmm. think that there are some times where when I am either driving in the car or hiking by myself for that matter, or going on a walk, sometimes I really do want that voice coming in of the podcast I'm listening mm-hmm. to or the audiobook because I'm so intentional with what I consume. Mm. So it's good. It's really good. Sometimes it's audio scriptures or a really good, meaningful talk that really makes me feel like I'm becoming a better human because of what, what I'm listening to. But that whole principle of good, better, best has to be remembered. Sometimes that is the best thing is for me to take that in. And sometimes the best thing is to turn off all the noise. Mm. It, it doesn't matter who it is that's saying all of the best things. I need silence. I need to just be quiet with my own thoughts and just listen to the nothingness and let me, and it allows me to feel things I would not feel no matter how good the stuff is that I'm listening to. And and one of the things that I feel is uncomfortable Mm -hmm. when I don't have the input and I'm not listening to something and it's It's good. It's good to feel uncomfortable. Right. But I, being somebody that's very productivity focused, I'm like, I can, I like justify a walk if I'm, but I, I'm going to go for a walk and take this time, but I'm going to listen to like a business podcast while I do it. So it's uncomfortable for me to not do anything quote productive and to just walk. I mean, walking in and of itself is, is very important, but to do anything where I'm not also like to drive without also learning something doesn't feel productive to mm-hmm. me, yeah. but thinking matters. Yeah. <laughs> it not only matters, but some of my most greatest, most profound moments personally have happened when I turned off the, the noise. Yeah, absolutely. And that to me is part of the greatest productivity. Cause I'm like you, Rachel, high productivity is a love language for me. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I'm being successful in my life accomplishment. It doesn't matter what that looks like. It's just accomplishing, doing, producing, mm-hmm. being, you know, all of those things matter to me so much, but I have learned, and this is why I've become better at, at it than a way, the way I used to be in recent years. Um, is that some of my greatest productivity comes because I am uncomfortable enough for just a minute to sit in that stillness and to allow for those feelings and thoughts to come to me that would have never come had I had the noise on. And so that's another way to look at it. If you're like us, because we're relating to this on this point, if you're like us and you feel uncomfortable with the quiet and the stillness because it doesn't feel productive, 
why don't you give it a minute and then try it again and maybe give it like a whole week of five minutes a day even and see what kind of beautifulness comes out of that experience. Mm-hmm. And then you can decide for yourself if you think that's productive. Cause in and my- also refer back to cultivating vulnerability and see what that has to say about yes. productivity as a seal mm-hmm. of worth. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. What is your third takeaway? So my third way that I try to cultivate patience is by giving my kids chores. You guys, Preach. you should see her body Preach. language right now. She's like, and also, uh, <laughs> she's feeling a little bit fidgety. Yep. Okay, yeah, what is that? Uh, so tell us the feelings that go into you choosing that to be the third point that you bring up. Well, because... It's a work in progress, right? Giving them chores leads to suffering for me. It does. <laughs> it leads to more it work, be I'll be darned. so much easier. So, And that's also the phase of life I'm in. And people who yeah. have older children tell me it will be worth it. And it yeah, will, it eventually it, you'll have a huge payoff. Mm-hmm. But right now, it's not a payoff. It is suffering. It is the worst. To have out. to deal with trying to get them to do chores mm-hmm. and remind them and deal with the whining. and do, It would be so much easier for me to just do it myself. But yeah. when I think about what I want for them and the mm-hmm. values I want them to develop, I'm willing to suffer a little bit in order for that to happen. So I have to be very patient and also refer back to takeaway one yeah. to, to try not to yell <laughs> yes. at them when they're not doing the chores that I want them to do right. to teach them to be hard workers. Cause it'd yeah. be, it'd be way easier for me to just shirk that and let them be lazy and say they'll figure it out eventually, which might be true, but I want to deliberately teach them to have a good work ethic and to help. I think when, as parents, we can de- help our children to develop a work, a good, healthy work ethic. There's almost, there's very few lessons more important than that because it's the one thing that's going to determine their success in the future is their ability to be uncomfortable and continue to work and to continue to strive and to find joy in that. Mm-hmm. And I think that the main thing that chores teaches kids is their capability and you can start to build upon it. I promise there will be a payoff. I <laughs> That's promise. so good to hear. It's yeah. true. But it even is, I mean, <laughs> even now, I mean, my my kids have had chores every day for their entire lives as they can remember them. And still I'm like having to remind them about getting chores done. Mind you, it's a whole lot less. And Rachel, the good news is your kids will know how to do their chores well in a few years. And then it's really worth it. You yeah. know what I think Because when of- they do them and they do them crappy... That's that's way more work. I just want to add to that because um, you can relate this to chores or anything else really is when you cultivate that kind of culture in your family, in your home, and we're talking about chores, we'll go with that example. Then when they get to a point of their life where they are in an independent situation and when they maybe are tempted with the idea of throwing all that out the window, because let's just expect that they will, they're going to find themselves not liking that because they were raised in an environment and, and mm. with a culture that has been so ingrained in them that when they don't do it, they, I mean, maybe a few kids might find freedom air quotes with that. Um, in that, but for the most part, I think that they'll go, Oh, they'll I'm end actually, up going on back. The yeah. Path. I actually yeah. like that. I like being clean and tidy. It turns out good. that being clean and tidy is where it's at. Yeah. Yeah. Really though. That's, that's part of what you have to look forward to. I think with, with the stage that you're in with your kids is that, one day they're going to actually get this down a little bit better and you're going to get your patience down a little bit better and it's all going to go a little bit better. And in the long run, they're going to know that the way that work and the effort that you're putting into being patient with the chores 
is totally going to pay out because they are in the long haul going to be cleaner, tidier adults. I haven't I had that payout yet. Just so we're all. <laughs> oh, I haven't right Are now. you kidding me? My very yeah. worst is my oldest. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I love you, Porter, but are you serious? Like, I mean, it's out of control. It's out of control, but it's something that we work on all the time and we have conversations about it. And so, and I think to myself, this is where the patience is that I am working on when it comes to this is I, I remain patient because I know that as we're talking about it and we're, we're talking about the pros and the cons of the cleanliness or the messiness or the clutter or the wet towels on the floor, I'm instilling in, in him principles. And now we're talking about something that's, you know, it doesn't have to be the most important thing, but cleanliness is important to us. And so he's, whether he's really getting it down now or not is almost less important because we're helping him to understand it and feel the value and how it connects to success. And we talk about that. We talk about like making your bed and how it's actually a symbol of productivity and success in your whole life. And it seems silly, but it's not. Haven't you heard like yeah, really totally. successful people talk mm-hmm. about that? Isn't that, that atomic the, habits? Yeah. It's one of the mm-hmm. like basic everyday habits. I wish I could like yeah. quote a source and maybe we can find something to put I in I think the it's notes. in atomic habits. Am okay. I right? I don't know. I don't I, I Atomic Habits is a great book. Yeah. If it's not in there, still read Atomic Habits because it is an amazing <laughs> book, but it talks about habits that set you up for productivity and success. Well, I think there's probably multiple sources on the mm-hmm. whole making your bed thing because I, I because it makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. Oh, that's great. And I'd also yeah. add to that that your kids may never get it when they're home, but like you said, it's you're instilling principles in them. I I think I was kind of a messy kid. I don't remember. I don't. I never made my bed, hmm. even up through adulthood, because when I was working outside the home, I just would get up and I would go to work, and my bed was unmade. Then when I became a stay-at-home mom, and now I work from home, it's my domain, and I care, and so I make my mm-hmm. bed every day. And so I think for some kids. Like until it's their domain, their yes. thing, like it won't click. But there's also an element of um, being willing to accept your kids for who they are. Mm-hmm. And even if that means a little bit of suffering for you, but continuing to love and be patient and not try to change them, mm-hmm. still teaching them the values, still expecting them to work, but recognizing that maybe this this child just doesn't value this in the same way that I do or right. her brothers and sisters. But it, She'll be okay. Like, she's yeah. going to be okay. In she the world. will be okay. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite episodes that you did, Rachel, um, recently, and I can't, you'll know which one, it, which one it is, but you're talking about um, letting the, letting your children basically um, create the story that they want to tell, which mm-hmm. is such like, I mean, mm-hmm. that means so much to me and Becky, that whole living the story that you want to tell. But you were talking about instilling in your kids these principles that help them to live the story that they want to tell. And you were giving the example of your sister Mm -hmm. and some of the choices that she made and then how she ended up being a counselor at that camp. And I'm not going to spoil anything else because you guys just need to listen to it. Which one is it? Do you you remember like the title? Yeah, The title is help helping your teens live a better story. There you go. Mm -hmm. That's totally the one. And it's fairly recent and it's fine because we'll we'll link it in show notes. Yeah, Yeah. we'll link it. But what I loved about that so much that really helps me in this season where I have two teenagers and one who's now technically a preteen. I'm not even a little bit. Um, but that whole idea of just embracing them for who they are when they decide that they're going to change their narrative because of something that they're going to try or experiment with. And instead of resisting that so mm-hmm. much, like leaning into that, and mm-hmm. I'm using, of course, paraphrasing words, those are not your words, but it's the message that I felt. And I think that there's such a relief that comes from just 
letting them, supporting them as they kind of evolve in that way instead of resisting it because it isn't meeting your expectations. Yes. Am I way off track by even bringing that up? That was what we were talking about ish, right? Even a <laughs> yeah. little bit. Do you Becky? know what? Yes. No. I think, well, I mean, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Welcome to the cultivated good life podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Seriously, you can see what was sitting at the top of my mind. I promise you when I listen back, I'll go, oh, I remember what yeah. I was thinking when she was saying the one thing and it totally connects. What were you I say? think that, um, we have this myth that we think we can strong arm or nag or teach our children into certain behaviors. We can't. No. Like I'm here to tell you, you can totally be a monster of a human being and totally like dictate your kids every move when they're little. And maybe that works. Like I'm sure it's not a happy place, but I'm telling you that no one has ever been nagged into change. That's just not how change happens. That's not how learning happens. And, and that's what you're connecting is actually where I was going is because of what you said, Rachel, about the ownership that a child has or an individual, a human being has when it becomes their domain. That's Mm. why you started making your bed as an adult. That's why I was bringing up the ownership in the teen. Yeah. Yeah. Their story. It's all coming back. It's all coming back. You guys, I promise the dots will always connect if you give me a second. (laughs) Um, but that's what it is. And you're totally right. Like if I am the one that's choosing this path that I'm on, I'm going to be a whole heck of a lot more successful with it than if Becky or Rachel or my parents or my husband were nagging me saying, this is the way you should be. And I expect you to be this way. And I think you'd be better if that's Mm -hmm. not going to set me up for success. And so embracing that ownership that we each have of that space that we're creating is really, really important. So back to the bed making good for you and look at your successful at it because why <laughs> you chose it because I chose it and I yeah. decided it was important and I do think it takes a tremendous amount of patience in our relationships to to wait for people to kind of come around or and to just allow them to be who they are and yeah and to love them anyway and like I said sometimes it does suffering is a strong word in that sit like my kids don't make me suffer because of who they are but sometimes it it's harder for me. Life is harder mm-hmm. for me because they don't conform to the, what I want. Their mm-hmm. personality fundamentally isn't match a match with mine. Right. But like, I love them fiercely and I'm willing to, uh, you know, be patient with them and love them for who they are and learn and grow. If that makes sense. Of it course. totally does. And I, yeah. we are not saying the kids make us suffer. Like no, that's not no. what I'm getting. It's, but really that initial moment of discomfort, discomfort is suffering because it does. It feels a lot worse in second one than second 10. Yes. Like second one is like the intense onslaught of like, get me out of this situation. By second 10, you've had time to like, okay, calm down. Like body, you don't need to protect me. I'm fine. You know what I mean? And guess what? It's that fight or flight response. Well, and second one, two, or maybe three is when we turn to our numbing tools. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That, so that's why it's totally worth waiting and holding out until second 10. Yes. Because if you just get through the discomfort for just a moment, you'll see that there is growth. You'll in- see options appear that were not options you didn't want to take honestly yeah Yeah, Mm -hmm. if I can stop myself from yelling at my kids if I can stop myself for even five seconds Mm -hmm. usually I can I can get it under control and choose not to yell Mm -hmm. it is that like initial second and sometimes you even know that you don't want to do what you're about to do and you have that split second Mm -hmm. conscious and you're like no I want I'm gonna yell yeah (laughs) you make the choice because it feels good because there's like a physical outlet isn't that the truth our bodies lie to us it feels so good and then after you feel justified so bad so bad (laughs) and I would refer all of you back to the movie Inside Out if you haven't seen it 
That's have good. you seen this movie? I've seen it, but it's been a while. It is oh, it's such really a good. great place to start with emotions and giving a name and a face to what you're feeling. It's a great movie to watch as a family and have yes. great discussions about identifying your emotions so that hopefully we can get these human reactionary tendencies to just take under it, control. Yeah, calm it down. Take a <laughs> exactly. second. Decide who you want to be. And like I said, sometimes I still make the wrong choice. I yeah. think about who I want to be. And then I'm like, no, I need, I can't suffer. I <laughs> yeah. got to do this. I got to yell. I got to I want to be this, but, but this feels but better. More, but it's getting easier. It yeah. is getting easier to make the conscious choice. No, I want to be who I actually am and yeah. not default Ooh, to this I love that. You want to be who you actually are. And I think that's a perfect way to, to tie this up is, is patience with yourself, right? As we're all cultivating and working to be a little bit better and making the better choices every day patience and grace for yourself for patience sure. and grace for your children and patience i will dare say i don't know that any studies support this but i really feel like patience is not something that is a natural attribute of humans i think it's a learned hmm. behavior and it's a behavior that needs to be practiced and keep that in mind as you are practicing patience little by little day by day being a little bit better i'm gonna add something to that though Go i don't want to like disagree you can but disagree. i do think that some people innately are more patient it's a spiritual gift that they have yeah that's than the true. rest of us and so if you are <laughs> then the person, rest of us here three at this <laughs> table just saying, <laughs> just saying i'm just saying the few of us here no but really i think that it's it's equally important to acknowledge the gifts that we have in us that if you do tend to be that person that's more patient, can you acknowledge in yourself that that's amazing and that that is one of your gifts and you also can cultivate greater patience. Yeah. We all can work on or it. Or teach us how to do it. Just yeah. saying. Yeah. Could Help you? a sister out, man. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Well, truth to Rachel form. Why don't you recap the three takeaways? Okay. Because that is what you do. And I also want to like give you the best news ever that we're actually not even too terribly far past the oh, 30 good. minute. <laughs> and we're at 38, yeah. but like... That's not bad, Rachel. That's not bad, yeah. Rachel. I think it's great. You are like a good luck You might charm. be the first person we've ever been able to present to in under three hours. So <laughs> well done, you. I know. Okay, what are those well, three takeaways? that's still you got the three. The three hours. 30 takeaways in that's three right. hours. Oh, hey, don't tempt. <laughs> okay, so... The challenge? So the principle here is to cultivate the will Willingness to suffer, which is patience, and three places that you can start working on that within your parenting are first, when you're tempted to yell at your kids, second, when you're tempted to hand them a screen or turn on the TV, and third, when you are tempted to not give them chores because it's just too stinking hard to get them to do it. Those are the three Love takeaways. It. I hope you guys feel the takeaways from Rachel. She's so good about like really making that so understandable. When you break it down like that, it just makes it even more, um, yeah, like it feels like a takeaway yeah. that can be applied immediately. Yeah. Thank you, Rachel, so much for your time and for being such a great example to us and to the people that you reach in your sphere of influence and for everybody who's listening today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I really love your work and it was an honor. Aww. We love you. And friends, thank you for carving out the time to listen and for joining us in this continued conversation about cultivating a good life. Nothing we have said is more important than the specific things you have felt that are personal for you. So as always, we invite you to write down those promptings that you feel and most importantly, act on them. We love you. Rachel loves you. We're all cheering you on and we look forward to being with you next week. Bye-bye. Bye guys.
This is Cultivate a Good Life, episode 55. Dang it, Nikki. What's it called? I'll do it. Patience in Parenting. Okay, ready? No, I got it. Give me a chance. <laughs> no, you've lost your chance. <laughs> I'd rather you do it than it. Becky. Okay. I'm going to wrestle her to the ground. <laughs> okay, here we go. This is Cultivate a Good Life, episode 55, Patience in Parenting. <laughs> <laughs> I know, Patience right? Tarantino. Who's that new voice? <laughs> no. Who's that girl? All right, we're going to give Becky Higgins one more chance. <laughs> okay. Rachel, you have one more chance. No, you're one more chance. Okay, you get one you more chance. You both suck. It's my chance. <laughs> <laughs> teasing, teasing, teasing. Okay, here we go. The pouch set comes with three different size pouches, which are clear on one side, which makes it completely perfect for when a clear bag is required at a concert, sports game, or some... Any, a new kids on the block concert. <laughs> Just saying. Dang it! It's because I'm hungry and eat food. Yeah, you do tend to plummet when you, your blood sugar's low. <laughs> Make sure up. you add more lip gloss because you, know you don't have enough. Don't judge me, okay? And everyone's gonna be seeing you. Oh, she... no! This is a ritual. Like, this make no mistake about it. This is a ritual. Okay. Doesn't it make you feel like you should be Bizarre. glossing right now? Wait, totally. <laughs> then gloss, ladies. <laughs> you. <laughs> I literally are applying gloss on top on of gloss. On top of gloss. Okay. It is literally, it's, listen, I'm not doing <laughs> drugs, okay? So this is lovely gloss. <laughs> okay, I'll give you that. 